0: to awake. There is a science of human freedom. It's also a spiritual journey.
1: Uh, A person under hypnosis will start to know, see that there's something wrong. Something is wrong. Uh, It's great that you know what you come to know, but until uh, there's an outlet for that information and you start Creating and putting your creations out into the world to teach other people so that they can become as knowledgeable as you. Um,
0: life. What is encouraging life is good. That which takes away from life and growth and creativity is not good. hello hello this is chris jansen welcome to the end evil podcast and evil podcast is streaming live thursday nights at 6 p.m pacific and that's 9 p.m eastern time we're streaming live on the one great work network and i'm also on twitch and i'm also on facebook and twitter and youtube so um Thanks for joining us, folks. This is a special week. I have I have with me a guest this week, an awesome guest, a gentleman I met recently. He's um, standing by here. I'm going to bring him on and screen with me. This is a good friend I just met, um, Crypt Rick. Hey, what's up, Rick? How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. This is kind of different. Uh, last week, you were the interview chair.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. And, um, this whole podcasting thing, how it works, we get the opportunity to um, meet new people and
1: um, you know work sure. together
0: on these on these projects. It's pretty exciting.
1: It is. It is. I I had a great interview with you uh, on the, my radio show, and uh, a lot of people really enjoyed it. I got feedback right away that people really enjoyed the what we covered, what we spoke about. So it was a it was really cool. I'm really fortunate that I met you, and uh, I'm meeting a lot of great people. A lot of great people. Yeah, your show's on um, Revolution Radio, right? Revolution Radio. uh, You can find it at freedomslips.com. And I'm on every Monday night, uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I am also have a – that's a two-hour show that I do. And then on Saturdays, I have a one-hour show, which is in – there's two studios. I should have said that. So my first show's in Studio A. Then on Saturdays, I'm in Studio B from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's just a fun show that I do. Uh, listening to, I talk about music. I talk about uh, movies and kind of breaking down movies for any hidden meetings in them and stuff like that. It's just a fun that I show that I do for an hour because I I call it the decompression hour because with all the research I do, like I'm doing and interviews and stuff like that, I do need that hour to kind of a day just to kind of find my center. And I do that with music mostly.
0: How, how long have you been doing um, putting content out there? Is this like something you've been doing just the last few years of your life or a long time? Not even.
1: yeah, not even. Uh, I started the radio station in January. I got an offer to go there. Uh, so that was my first show it was January seventh and I started YouTube maybe probably I'm trying to think it was probably about I did my first interview and I could be wrong by a month or two, maybe about seven months ago because as I was telling you, Chris um, I've been wanting to do uh, interviews and uh, presentations and stuff like that. I didn't have the tech, uh, I didn't know technologies and I'm very open and upfront about that. I was very, uh, just had a phone. I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have any of what you see here. I didn't have cameras. I didn't have a mic or anything. And that was always my excuse not to do it. That was what I kind of find myself uh, going to is that was my excuse. And then, so about eight months ago, I finally got tired of excuses. And uh, lying to myself and that's when I bought all the stuff that I got so I'm definitely learning as I go here I'm very upfront about that I've only been doing this for about eight months and everything I'm doing right now I'm learning the hard way by trial and error and all of that when I first started Chris people were telling me I had to go through use OBS I didn't even know I never heard of OBS I was like what are you talking about so I had to actually learn OBS and stuff like that so now I'm on YouTube doing a show where I interview people and I'm on the radio station doing interviews
0: and that's a lot of balls to pick up and start juggling real fast I, I'm, I'm pretty amazed at how quickly you have picked it all up because for me it's been it's been a real challenge especially the technology getting past the technology learning me how to too. Work all these things I'm still battling sound settings every episode yes <laughs> and, you it know, is. we just joked about that but yeah i mean i I gotta give a big thanks um i know you're also someone who's who's um studied the what on earth is happening podcast and mark passio's work was a huge inspiration to me and that's really what was the kick in the ass that got me going on podcasting and evil podcast um my my slogan for the podcast is evil is the destruction of freedom and the, the the fact that freedom's getting destroyed on a large scale is why it's so important for folks like you and I to speak out and let people, other people know that um, we're not alone for one Mm -hmm. and that we're not going to stand for it. And that if we work together and we, we all start um, getting our minds in the right place that we can actually, we can actually make a difference. Right. So for me meeting you and having you find me through um, one of the shows I made and getting excited about um, about that work, you know it was a big boost for me it was a big pat in the back so um thanks for reaching out and reaching out to leslie powers she did an excellent job when we did the fish tank episode and that's um, how you i found were telling you. me that's the one that you <laughs> saw first so i was yep. pretty glad to hear that you know a lot of times you feel like you're not reaching people but you know we are so yeah so thanks for doing this work man appreciate oh, it
1: it's it's something i've been wanting to do for years I, and as i we were talking off air that i i was doing a form of shadow work on myself many years ago i didn't know that's what it was called i didn't know it was called shadow work i didn't have a terminology for it but it was how i would confront myself and i would do that sitting quiet with myself every day and i still do it to this day and uh that's how i started learning about like i was doing shadow work i didn't know that's what it was called it was great to finally have a word for it what it was what i was doing and yeah uh, when i found mark's work it actually changed it changed my whole life i was telling you that and the information was so it's so valuable, Um, and I needed that kick in the. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear, so I'll say but. Yeah, <laughs> I no, you can that, swear on here. Okay, I, I need a kick it. in the ass to to get me going because I was I was making excuses. I had the knowledge in my head, and I and I kept thinking I needed more and more knowledge, and I was just kind of, I was in using it in my life, and I was trying to educate a, a few friends around me and stuff like that, and family members but i wasn't and then i kept saying i didn't know the technology that was always my thing i don't have a laptop i don't understand anything and then i heard one of mark's shows where he got really upset saying that you know there's no excuses and we all have to you have to learn technology because he's 100 percent right that's how you're going to reach people now that's just the way the world is and so i heard him get really upset one show and that's what gave me the kick in the ass and i was like okay i got to stop making excuses and I'm going to have to start doing the work. And so that's when I started buying everything that I needed and learning the technology. And I'm still learning as I go. But at least I'm here, you know, and I, you have to start somewhere. I that, um,
0: you're on. Um, I'm going to write it down. It's Revolution Radio. It's on Mondays, right?
1: Yep. Monday, Monday. Pacific. Uh, Pacific. 3. What's your time? Uh, well, okay. 7 p.m. my time is on Mondays. It's from, it's from, Oh, sorry. 6 PM till 8 PM on Mondays. Eastern 6 standard
0: Time. What, what is your time?
1: I'm an Eastern standard time. So I think Pacific it Eastern. would be three. Okay. I think it's three o'clock your time Pacific. If cool. I'm not mistaken. Nice. How'd you hook on, up with those, with that? um, It's called freedom Yep. How'd you A lot get connected of great, with that? I, I've, I was listening to, to revolution radio because Jay Parker who I found, oh, I, I nice. would start, yeah, I started, I, I, when I was watching Mark Passio's lectures on YouTube, there was other presenters and then I watched them all. And then I, I started uh, watching Jay Parker's and then somebody told me that Jay Parker was on revolution radio. So I went and started listening to Jay there. And, uh, then I eventually, um, they saw my interviews on YouTube and I kind of, uh, somebody said, you know, some of the people at uh, revolution radio, like your interview style at YouTube, Um, and then I said, well, I would be willing to go on the show. I I would love to have a radio show. I've not been doing it very long, but I would, I would love the opportunity to go on there and do interviews and talk about natural law and freedom and all of that. So they gave me a show. I'm so grateful for them for giving me the chance to do that. It's i really enjoy uh, doing this. I really do.
0: You know, sometimes I've kind of described it. Um, I meet people who are, coming to different realizations about the problems in our world and what's going on around us and getting frustrated. And I'll hear them talking about these things and something they read or something they heard. And like, I start feeling like it's like, it's like a pot of water uh, on the stove, you know, where the, the heat's turned all the way up, right? You start Mm -hmm. getting heated. And pretty soon your waters, your inner waters start boiling, right? Exactly. And they need somewhere to go. It's just going to pop that lid off and boil over the sides. You know, which is basically, you know, in terms of being a human, it's feeling really uncomfortable inside of your own body when you got all this frustration and anger about what's going on in the world and you don't have an outlet. And so, right. you know, I think just even just for the therapeutic end of it, it's been good for me to to speak out on this stuff and to try to try
1: to reach right. people. And, and be, that's the you know, thing like really honest. You know. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing that uh, I've asked people even around me all the time when I talk to them, like, do you think we're free? Do you think that humanity's free? And I'm shocked when people think that we are, I, I, I it, uh, when they say yes, I just kind of like, it, ju- it just kind of makes me shake my head first. And I'm like, you really think we're free? And they're like, yeah, we're free. Like, you know, and I'm like, wow. And, and then I like to ask people too, um, if they uh, like, because I keep saying and I try to tell people we're losing our rights because people don't know what a right is. So how can you defend something if you don't even know what you're defending? So I'll ask people around me, like, can you describe to me, just in a sense, what a right is? And I am shocked how many people cannot give me the just the standard definition of a right. And I mean, it's like, no wonder we're losing them when nobody even knows what they are. And that's, in this day and age, that is really scary and it's really sad, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean... The way the way Mark puts it down, right, is an action that doesn't cause harm. I never heard anyone say that yeah, until I heard him say it. Me and it too. Was sort of like, yeah, that seems really basic. It seems like it really makes sense on a yep. deep level. Why, why is it coming to me like news when I'm 30 years old, you know, in life and no one's exactly, ever, you know, I mean, it's like the rules of kindergarten, you know and we're, we're we should have just stepped there. It's like when you keep adding rules to that and com- overcomplicating things saying oh we can make up all these other rules, you know, that's where we start going astray for sure. You know, with too much kind of made up man-made type humans and lies, you know. What what age were you when you really started seeing through some of the big lies of our culture and the big lies of um, um,
1: around you? I well as I was telling you when we did art when we've talked off air in on our interview that I did with you that I was, I was somebody in school that always questioned things. I, I just remember that from a very early age and things just didn't make sense to me when I was younger, like the things in the world and things didn't the stuff, the teachers were telling me and I went to a Catholic school. So I was, they were heavy with the Bible and you know, all of that stuff. So for my first from public school, which is kind of different than, than your guys school in the U.S., I think. So grade one to eight in Canada is public school. So I was in a uh, Catholic public school. And so I was always questioning the priest. I would question the teachers about stuff that didn't make sense, that I didn't understand why they were teaching it the way they were. And so I was always in the principal's office. Like, they were always sending me away, call my parents. And I was very fortunate that I had parents that encouraged me my whole life to always ask questions. You know, don't just take things at face value that people tell you to believe. You You know, do your own thoughts on it and come to your own conclusions so they didn't like that in public school believe me not the one i went to at least so i was very young i think and i was i just always wondered about things and i always saw through things i think that just didn't make sense when other kids i would be around they would just buy it they would just okay you know the, the teacher tells them this that or the priest tells them that's what it, the way it is i wasn't that way always questioning and i'm still like that i'm still like the question and look into things myself I don't just want to believe something I think that's very dangerous
0: yeah but there's still even beyond that uh, you know and I, I I think that's awesome that you always had that questioning thing in you you're maybe your maybe a parent helped instill that maybe it just came from birth who knows
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I still you know even with that there's a lot of people out there that are you know asking questions but you know some of the biggest questions I think the hardest ones to get through or when we start talking about, you know, the order followers of the world, big time, or, yep. or, or politics or government, you know, like a lot of people see the problems that are happening and they still want to rely on, on a political solution. Mm-hmm. Like they think, Oh, this army is going to come in and they're going to save us. Or, you know, there's these white hats behind the scenes that are going to get things fixed up. We just need to get the right person in power. We just need to get rid of these, you know, few bad apples and then things are going to work out. You know, at what point, Did that kind of logic not work on you or you know how do you see it actually working is another way to
1: um well as it goes to politics and voting and stuff like i know a lot of people i hope i answer this in the way that you're asking when i i never i was never somebody that bought into government and and um the legitimacy of it i never that was something i would question i for i just i don't know why i'm not saying i was very young when i did but as i got older And I'm not somebody that would ever vote and stuff like that. And so I just never, I didn't know the terminology of why I didn't want to vote for it. I I just knew it wasn't right. I just, and that was, so I, I was never somebody that was like bought into that whole government thing i just always question like why do these people in government have the right to tell me what to do like who where do they get this right i used to always say that like who gives them the right to do that and then people would say oh well you elect them and then they give them the right to do that and i'm like i didn't i don't elect anybody i've never voted so why are they and so the kind of that argument i would get into with people is that i don't understand why these people have these they think they have these rights to say to me what to do and stuff like that so i was never somebody who voted in that and then i and then i always try to tell people because i do have family and friends that do vote and they always say nothing ever changes i was just on uh, watching a show where the the person that was doing the interview kept saying you know we see the protest we see what's going on around the world people are like doing you know protest all over and nothing's changing and i said nothing's changing because you're you're hoping you're going to vote people in to change things and you're it's never worked in the past. It's not going to work now, and it's not going to work in the future. This isn't a voting problem. This is a spiritual problem with people and a conscious, pro- a consciousness problem. So, I mean, you're not going to vote this one away, and that's why nothing's changing. And I tell people, I've been telling people that for years. We're not going to vote this problem away. This is way beyond that. This is a bigger battle than that. So, yeah, I hope that, that answered your question. <laughs> it
0: does. No, and then you know, like um, I, I never really thought about the voting thing for a lot of years. But when you really start thinking about it, it's really not how we operate in the in the real world. I've often described mm-hmm. it as this, you know, like if you and I and one other person were gonna go out to eat, right? And you and I wanted Chinese food, and that third person wanted food and couldn't eat Chinese food or hated okay. Chinese food, right? We wouldn't force the third person right. to go to the Chinese food and say, nope, sorry, We're, we, got the, we got the majority rule. You know, two of us decided, therefore, you have to go where we want. It's just, that's not practical and it just doesn't work in real life. And right. yet somehow we've kind of all been convinced over time and just the structure of the way we live that that it does work but it never right. has worked out really well. It's it's not working for us. It's only working yeah. for a few select individuals, as I can see, you know?
1: And that's what I don't understand is how people can't see that it hasn't worked. And like, I mean, I, I see it clear as day. And it's like, how can you not see that? Just keep voting in. Different people, you can't you see in the past that this has never worked? It's not working now. So, why do you think it's going to work in the future? It's, I guess, that's a definition of insanity, right? I mean, it makes sense. You just, and I think people think that they're just going to vote this problem away. And I, that's why I wanted, I'm doing the great work now because I know that this isn't a voting, as I said, this isn't a voting problem. We have to start reaching people and letting them know, like, why things are the way they are. And that's why I said it's a spiritual battle. We have to start waking people's, getting people awake and, uh, knowing the difference between right and wrong and stuff and that's where this battle is going to be won i think and i will i know it is and that's why when i was watching in canada when you just know that we had the trucker uh convoy and stuff like that and i was watching very closely to see how the the so-called authority the police uh would react and stuff and i saw the protesters saying you know Yelling at the police, come join our side, join our side, you know, like just walk over to our side. And I'm like, you're this isn't going to work. You're dealing with people that are so brainwashed in their beliefs and in their cult that they're not just going to walk over like that. You have to start, we have to start educating people about the difference between right and wrong, objective morality. And that's where the battle is, I think. That's where we're going to make a difference. If enough of us are doing this work. We will make a difference. I know we will if we have enough. And then that, that's how we're going to wake them up to get out of that cult and make them start questioning things. It's not going to be just voting in a way.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'd be curious to see, you know, for you, you know, you, you were telling me you've had some pretty big physical obstacles in life. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, you, about had, you were telling me in the beginning about getting started on this. You had obstacles in terms of technical things you were worried about not being able Mm -hmm. to do, or, um, you know, what, what do you think are the biggest obstacles that keep people from, um, taking the next step on the shadow work? Cause really that's, that's the heart of what you're talking about. Right.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that is the biggest, I think that's the foundation. I think people don't want to do that shadow work. And I think until they start looking in on themselves, because I think, and you know, a lot of people point at people and say, everything's their fault. You know, the world is the way it is because of that, because of that, because of that. They point. And I, and I did realize that I had to point at myself because, you know, that is where I have to start. And that was my foundation. And shadow work, as I was telling you, I was doing that a long time ago. I started that probably 15 years ago. I didn't know what it was called, but I was doing it. And that made this such a huge difference. And, I mean, I yeah, I did have physical. That That's what got me on my journey to where I am now. And I was telling you off air and I don't mind talking about it. I mean, you can tell, but kind of like the way I am, I'm very stiff. I can't move my neck. I can't, my back is fused. I have a disease called ankylosing spondylitis and uh, it basically fuses your spine. They call it bamboo spine too. And it fuses your back and your neck so you can't move. So I'm kind of hunched over. Always. If I walk, I kind of look at the ground. And uh, so I got that that news when I was 16 years old and it was, devastating to me at that age. I was very spiritually immature. I think most people are at 16. Um, Very heavy in ego. I I thought my body was everything. I thought like, oh my God, I'm going to be, they told me I was going to be in a wheelchair by the time I was 20, 25 years old. So I was devastated by that news and ended up drinking very heavy for a lot of years. That was how I dealt with it. I just, I just dove into the bottom of a bottle basically. And Then I started doing shadow work on myself. I didn't want to be that way anymore. And then I started doing the shadow work and asking myself the questions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And sorry, this is hard for me. Just give me a second. Um, And then I started to realize that, that I'm not just this body. I'm not this body. I'm something so much more powerful in my brain is so much more powerful and i thought if i have a destroyed body yeah i got a crappy hand with a body for sure i mean my body's pretty beat up from my disease but i can hone my mind into a razor like i can uh, my my brain is fine and it's working and firing and it's and i'm learning and that's what i that's when my whole life changed when i made that realization i still remember that 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 moment that i realized i'm not just my body and that's when i started doing the work that I've been doing for all these years learning is because I knew that I was more than that. Sorry, I'm upset. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey
0: man, that's what makes it real and being human. You know what what I really can't stand is, you know, people taking their news and making their decisions off of um commercialized, you know, people that are out saying things to make money to affect your emotions, to try to get you to feel bad or you know, mm-hmm. to to be swayed to one side or the other, you know. Um, part of what I used in my process of discernment, because it's hard in this world, especially you start digging into, um, you know, for me, one of the big research areas was September 11th. I was looking into that. Me too. And I was kind of separating from, you know, where I worked at the time when I was looking at all that stuff was a courthouse, you know? Um, so I was kind of tied in with getting paid from government money and being surrounded by people that were completely indoctrinated into believing that, they're doing the right thing. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden I'm realizing they're the opposite. They're doing the wrong thing. And, right. you know, it's a heavy pill to swallow. It's a lot to take in, you know, and um, going through all that, you know, meanwhile, I'm looking online, I'm looking at websites, I'm listening to podcasts and you start mm-hmm. wondering, are all these people really good? Or are some of these people that are giving me information maybe working for the other side, maybe they are paid, You know, and so you got to go through this process of weighing things and asking yourself who's real and who's not. And -hmm. you know what? When I see someone like yourself who comes on the screen at their own expense and their own time and they get their own emotions about things, um, that makes it real. And that that's how we reach people is because even though we're still having to work through these screens and all this crazy ass technology, you know, we can still be real with one another. And I think that's personally one of our best ways um right. to reach out people is through the heart you know yeah. because that's really what they're attacking right in a lot of ways especially the last couple of years H- oh, how's yeah. all this how's all this COVID stuff
1: affected you oh I, that that was the big kick in the ass with covid for me was i i think i was walking around very um because i was around i'm around i think what happens is you get around a group of people that kind of think the way you do And you kind of all studying the same things and looking into the things and you know about natural law, you know, about objective morality. And so you don't, you kind of, I, you gotta be, I, at least I had to be careful that I thought that everybody was like that in the world. And I was like, okay. And then COVID gave me that kick in the ass of how brainwashed people are because as soon as they started pumping that fear on the media with COVID I was. I, if you would have told me three years ago, Chris, that they were going to shut the world down with a scary story, that's what I call it, that they would have shut this whole world down. I would have said, then we're not that far gone. There's no yeah. way humanity's not going to question it. Nobody questioned it, really. Not like some people did, of course. I don't, I don't want a blanket statement that, but 99% of people went along with the whole agenda and didn't question or anything. And I was like, wow, I got to get. I got to get some skin in the game here. I got to start waking people up because that was my big eye opener. And in Canada, they lifted the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. I think about don't quote me about a week ago, five days ago, I was just out today and like 80% of the people are still wearing masks. There's some people wearing rubber gloves. There's still people wearing face shields. And I'm like, we have a lot of work to do. People are, really 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 brainwashed like and that's what i noticed over covid it didn't affect my life too much um i did like i i knew it was going on i never got the vaccine i never even considered it i i i just didn't and i never wear i wasn't wearing a mask i just didn't buy into the whole thing so it didn't affect my life in a lot of ways yeah i couldn't go to certain restaurants and i couldn't go to stores and that kind of sucked because i couldn't do a lot of things but it didn't affect, like I just it woke me up is that, that we need more people doing the great work because it was shocking to me. And I I like to get your thoughts. It was it shocking to you how quick people just rolled over? It was eye-opening to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was like, um, I knew I knew there was a problem. Yep. But I'd had no idea to what extent. And and the mask wearing was one of the things that was like really shocking to me. Like Okay, here you're asking people to do something that they've never really done before, you know. And I think of people as being pretty kind of lazy in our society Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, you know. People, it's hard to get them to do things. It's hard to get them to think. It's hard to get them to exercise. It's hard to get them to do anything unless they're getting paid for it or they get something out of it. And so I'm trying to understand what's what's the initiative to um, kind of like block your nose and mouth when that makes it uncomfortable. I have a lot of experience with mask wearing myself coming from construction and having problems with dust, you know, I was well aware of, you know, the frustrations with wearing a mask. It, it doesn't work well. For one, you get moisture building up in there. It fogs up your glass if you have glasses. For sure. Um, it kind of makes it harder to see, feel that rubber thing. You know, there's a lot of things that really suck about wearing those things. And yet it seemed like people just were embracing them like they really wanted to be and, and what, all I could see is the symbolic aspect of this kind of slavery thing where, you know, you're putting something on your face, which is like, you know, it's like putting yourself in the submissive state and just seeing crowds and masses of people all around me like that. I was like, wow, it's way worse than I thought me because too. people don't get the most basic fundamental aspect of this whole thing is that it doesn't really matter how bad. If, the, if there is a disease, even if it was that bad, you still don't have the right to make people do things. Exactly. You, know, you still don't have the right to force anybody to put something on their face or their neck or their head or anything. Mm-hmm. And as far as that goes, you know, I had people tell me, well, if you're going to be so against masks, then what about shirt and shoes? You know, and then I'm thinking, you know, I don't think those rules were ever right <laughs> either necessarily. I don't know why we bent over for those, you know, but, you know, I mean, at what point... Do we just kind of like have things that are sort of common sense that we do because right. they're respectful? And then at what point is um, it become wrong? You know, yeah. where where do these rules and laws become bad? You know, that's the thing people are still struggling with. And I think you're catching on to it, you know, when when we harm, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I would, I would, like I said, I, I was really shocked. I really was like, it kind of started with the great toilet paper scare, I call it. I think of 2020 or if you remember that, that everybody was worried about toilet paper. And I was like, nobody's buying into this. Like, there's no way they're going to sell people on this. And I actually went to a parking lot, a Walmart parking lot. I wanted to see for myself if people are actually going out. And there was, there was people, buggy fulls of toilet paper. And I was just, I'm like, we have a lot of work to do. And then the COVID thing, like I said, hit. And I saw how quickly people just folded, didn't question anything. They followed authority to the T. Still are to this day, because like I said, the mask mandates have been lifted and there's still 85. Probably it's probably I'm probably being generous. Actually, it's probably more. But I'm going to say 85, 80, 85 percent that I saw today were still wearing a mask. And I and I don't think they're going to take them off anytime soon. And they were these were people outside. One person standing at a bus stop I saw wearing a mask. I was like, wow, we got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess if someone was coming from uh, the extreme opposite point of view of us, they would be like, what's wrong with the mask? You know, they, yeah, oh, it's I hear that. Yep. actually a thing to help us. You know, you guys are bad by not wearing them. Yep. You know, it's just so extremely different on this on this farther. And I, I, I really struggle with how to see that perspective because it just seems so foreign and ridiculous to me, like almost like. You know, calling the sky pink is the way I've been describing it. You know, like yeah. you're trying to say something's a reality that was never a reality. There there's really no evidence for masks um, ever stopping any diseases. You know, I don't right. I don't know where anybody anybody ever got that idea that such evidence existed
1: because it doesn't right. and that's the thing is that nobody's looking into that. All you have to do is a little bit of your own research and you're gonna you can find the information that these masks don't do anything when it comes to viruses, especially. And Nobody, and and well nobody's even questioning it. That's the thing that bothers me is that they're just going along with it. It's like, wow. Like, I mean, and like I said, a couple minutes of research, you're going to find out that these masks don't do what they are claiming they do. And people just seem so lazy. They won't even look into it and, and stuff. And they just go along wear it. you know, they tell you to wear it, they wear it. And now it's so bad. The brainwashing is so bad that now the mask mandates are lifted and people are still wearing them. They're like, I thought everybody I would see would have them off. They'd be happy that it's lifted. They're actually opposite where I live, Chris. And I'm not even lying. They're fighting. They are fighting where I live to get the mask mandate brought back. They want, people are fighting that they do not want that lifted. They want people to have to wear a mask. They're still fighting for that here. Wow. Yep. Wow. They want their mask. They want, How about they're, in they're,
0: your community, um, people that you deal with, you have family and friends that you've had difficulties with or not so Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm the black sheep in my family right now because I won't get vaxxed. Wow. Like, I'm, I honestly am. Like, I mean, on like certain family members, I'm not going to say everybody because they're not, it's not a, a blanket statement. But I have a few family members that are very upset with me that I didn't get vaccinated, Uh, tried to guilt me into it, tried to, you know, tell me that it was good and all of this. And I wouldn't budge. I was like, I'm not getting it. And so, yeah, I've had and I've lost a few friends over um this whole vaccine thing. Um, but the people I'm around now are, you know, they're basically on the same page as me. It's just, I did lose a few along the way because I wouldn't give in. And as much as they tried to convince me to do it, I wouldn't do it. I'm not doing it. And so, I mean, I've lost a few along the way. (laughs) Well,
0: the bright side, you know, I mean, I feel you, man. I've, I've very similar, you know, made new friends and some other friends are, you know, it's just, things aren't the same. But um, I'm going to keep trying. I, I don't give up on people. You know, um, once you're my friend, if you want to be my friend, as long as you, you know, keep trying, I'm here. Yep. You know, um, I don't give up on people. I, I love people even when they're doing something that's wrong. I mean, I've certainly made mistakes in life. Me too. You know, we have to. We have to. We need each other. Uh, and this is really it's an exciting time in history. It's a, it's a, a fantastic time to be a part of history right now because. You know, being able to make the decisions you made and be being strong in your own choices and knowing where you stand in a time like this is is exciting because now you're a hero among people, you know, that that chose the harder route when other people were taking the easy route. So I'm curious, have you ever thought about this is a question I love asking people um, like what's the most important thing to you or what's the most important things in life to you? Um that's kind a of tough a hard one. question it, it is, is
1: yeah because it's curious multi, what comes up it's multi um faceted huh, faceted yeah. that's a great word thank you multi-faceted um i what do i want to be remembered for oh my god i don't that's so tough chris um
0: well not so much i guess what i was thinking here is just like what
1: are the most important things you know for for, for us me the most important humans, thing is know? yeah for me the most important thing is is freedom i i mean i don't know what else to wake people up to let them know that to, then let them to teach them about morality that what they what's going on is not right like i mean this is so evil in its ways and so wrong and i think that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to do i want to show people i want that's what i want is freedom that's what i i, I don't want we don't, I want to abolish government. I want all of that. I want rid of this, these chains and these boots that they have around our, you know, our necks and stuff like that. So that's what's really important to me is doing this battle now so that the generations coming up behind us are not going to have it worse. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, I'm thinking of the people, of, you know, the children behind us. What are they going to come into if we're not fighting for freedom now and we're not standing up against this evil? What are they going to come into? Like, it's going to be worse, and I, I I can't let that happen. I'm going to try not to let it happen on my watch. So, I mean, does that answer it? I that's a tough one. You know one. what?
0: That you said something that most so many people don't say, and that that's like the most important key of it to me. Like, freedom, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one true divide, like Mark called it. But then yeah. beyond that, you talked about. Um, what matters outside of yourself, beyond yourself, the next generation yes. of people coming, you know, it's hard, I think, in our society because we're so self-centered, you know, exactly. our, um, our culture is really like hooked on this idea of me, me, me. Yep. You know, I always think of those, you know, the uh, little uh seagulls, right? Saying, me, mine, me, yeah. Mine, that's a,
1: mine, 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 right?
0: <laughs> and when you're able to actually, I mean, that's why this tree of life that I put behind me is so important to me because it represents the interconnectedness of all all life.
1: I have the pendant I was showing you. I have the pendant oh, around yeah. my neck. Same thing, the tree of life. I've been wearing it for like seven years. It hasn't come off my neck.
0: Yeah, so that, I mean, I really appreciate that answer that you've really obviously done that shadow work because I think that's where that... Anybody who really digs deep into themselves yeah. will
1: realize that we have a greater responsibility. We definitely you know. do. And I mean I I have friends that have ch- young children and I see them having to put a mask on and the children are screaming and they're crying and I'm thinking the damage that that's doing to them that we haven't even begun to see what this psychological damage is doing to the young kids and then I I no not on my watch I'm going to no <laughs> that's what I no I'm not letting it happen I'm going to do what I can to not they have to have something better to come into and we're we're letting everybody we're letting them all down by not getting into this battle and to me that is very selfish like we know there's a problem i think some most people i think would admit there is a problem in the world They may not know what exactly it is but it's up to us we like if we we have to get in this fight and i'm here now i'm i'm in it i'm not not on my watch that's what i want to say I like it. That's a, uh that could be a, a good slogan. Not on my watch. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, no, the kids, they, we need that. They have to have something better to come into. And if it's this bad for me and you, Chris, I can't even imagine if we continue to let this evil and these um, uh, like I call them and I've heard from Mark calling these master psychologists that are running the world. If we keep letting them go where we are, I can't even imagine how bad it's going to be in 10 years, five years. We have to, we have to start fighting back.
0: You know, um, I think one of the things I always struggle with is I've had these conversations with just about anybody I can, whether it's, you know, at break uh, at work (laughs) or, you know, in the grocery store, starting to chat with somebody. And sometimes we get these little options to, um, you know, have these conversations with people and bring these things up. And I think what, what I usually get back from people when I start talking about the idea of anarchy, no rulers, -hmm. That we don't want any politicians or any government. That's where people really kind of get this fear in them. And they're kind of like, well, if we didn't have rules, you know, if we didn't have anybody in charge and we didn't have voting, then everything's just going to be crazy and chaos. Yeah, hear that. Yeah, I hear so that I know all the you've time. heard this. I'm curious to see what, what's your answer. How do you deal with that one?
1: You know, well, I, I just had a discussion with my friend. We were actually just talking about this this afternoon and I have a good friend that we talk about this all the time. We're always talking about natural law and we're, and we're, and you know, I'm teaching him as the, you know, he's warming up to it and, and, but he's very, very, uh, uh, good at uh ba- like we bounce back and talk about things and he's very open to listening and discussing and we were talking about that because I said a lot and uh, cuz he said that to me too he's like well if there was no government you know and there's nobody making the rules it's just going to if you abolish everything it's just going to turn right into chaos and it's going to be like Mad Max and I was like no because if we as teachers are doing the and I hope this makes sense God, I'm I'm okay I'm I'm not used to being interviewed so sorry <laughs> um if we're doing the great work and we are waking people up and we're teaching them natural law and we're teaching them objective morality and, and so forth, if, if you did abolish all of that, Hey, it wouldn't, if we, everybody was learning this and going by that, we would know that government's wrong and it would naturally just dissolve. I think and order followers would naturally dissolve. If we were doing enough, people were doing this work. People were understanding the non-aggression law, you know, principle and stuff like that. So I think that that would be my answer is that, I don't think it, if we're doing our work and people are learning about natural law and they're following in these law, they're following that and they're living by the non-aggression principle that it wouldn't be chaos. Right. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, that's the best way I can answer it, that there wouldn't be chaos if everybody was living under natural law. It would it would regulate itself. It would be the right way to live. It would come together. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I've, I've tried to imagine that and describe it myself as it's well. Hard, it's a hard one. But it's a hard, it's a hard concept to share with people. And, and I think that, to me, is one of the fantastic things about what we're doing right now. You know, when we have these interviews with other like-minded people that understand that, th- that freedom is yeah. the one thing that really matters right now for us yeah. as humans, you know, um, a lot of people will say love and um, love is important but it's also a word that gets kind of misused in a lot of ways in our society and especially in Hollywood and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't – true love at this time in history would be pursuing freedom because, you know, if you don't love our race or as humans, then you are going to allow them to be enslaved and continue down this road of harming one another, right? Yes. If you truly love them, then you're going to have to maybe even make some sort of – personal self-sacrifice in order to maintain you know what's best for future beings you know what's best for your children and their children after them you know Mm -hmm. you have to fight for that right and and that's you know it's a tricky thing to try to explain to people it's a hard pill to swallow you know that it's really up to all of us you know not just one and that's
1: that yeah and that was the hardest part about the shadow work for me and i think that's why most people don't even start on that is that you have to question everything right And I had questioned everything in my shadow work. Love, why I believe what I do, what, and that's a scary thing. And I, and I agree with what you say about how love is just kind of a word. Now that people throw out very easily. And I mean, I see people that don't even love them. Like in my, like they don't love themselves. If they did, they wouldn't be doing the things that they do. And that's why I always say it always boils back to shadow work for me. That's what made all the difference for me. It really did. That was the foundation was I had to confront myself and, question of what I believed and why I believed it and all of those things and then that's when you start realizing that to love that's what I learned to to do I didn't love myself when I found out about my disease and I I know I didn't love myself because I was I was drinking I was miserable I, I and um going doing the shadow work is when I found my true love and my true my light like my my strength I found that And as I was saying, I found I'm not this body. And then I found out, I knew what love was. I, Because I loved myself, and I love myself now. Body means nothing to me now. I mean, we're just, it's a body, right? I mean, but I'm so much more than that. So I think people have to start connecting with themselves and loving themselves before, like, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anyone else? It doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, Rick. And, you know, it's kind of like when I tried to make my, um, presentation series, I really had, it really forced me to think like, okay, if I'm starting from the very beginning here, what's the first concept? You know, I would have to share with someone. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was like, oh, the first concept is the idea of value. If if we don't understand value of our own self or the value of one human life, Mm -hmm. the value of choice, then how are we going to, um, you know, go from there. So that was the first thing that I that I really stuck on is value. And an interesting thing is I was going to kind of ask you about your crypt, the crypt, Rick. You got your picture. Um, it kind of looks like the zombie guy. You, you kind of yep. got your your look, and there's sort of this, um, almost like um, interest in death in a way, you know. And some of the music that that is in the hard rock scene yeah. that I that I know you like. I'm curious, how does that all tie into your thoughts on this on these subjects?
1: um i i i I don't my the whole zombie look and stuff like that i could tell you how i got it it's not it's not a very there is a story behind it why i got the name why i go by crip rick and it's just something that has stuck for many many years and that's because do you want me to tell you this story chris yeah
0: yeah i'm real curious (laughs) okay
1: okay i got the name crip rick because like 10 years ago it might have even been longer i used to be a manager for professional wrestlers now not wwe or wcw nothing that big but in the local area there was a wrestling scene like and it was on tv and stuff like that and i got into managing wrestlers and i was they were trying to find i was a manager because i can't with my disease i can't wrestle obviously so i was a manager and i did a lot of the interviews and stuff like that the stuff i could do and they were trying to find a name for me and I wanted to go by Crypt Rick spelled C-R-I-P because I just thought because I'm not healthy and I'm crippled that that would be like Crypt Rick. That's where I wanted to go. And they're like, you can't do that. Um, you're going to offend people. And I was like, okay, I get it. I mean, so they said, spell it different. Spell it C-R-Y-P-T because you definitely like the darker things. I've always liked uh, skulls. I've liked graveyard stuff in that. and that. And that's very hard for me to tell people I'm not evil doesn't mean anything dark or anything like that i just something i've liked my whole life i like skulls and stuff like that i collect them ceramic ones and all of that so that's how i got the name was for from wrestling and it just stuck all of my friends just call me that now i mean it's just something that stuck and that was kind of where that image came from the zombie logo and everything that was all designed because of the wrestling thing and it just kind of i just kept it because people knew me that way so yeah, it's that's kind of
0: fun. Mean. Well, you, you got your um your um kind of the style, and you you got the look. It's cool. I yeah. like it. You know, yeah, when all, I was thinking what about this, is kind of a trippy thought. You know, recently my friend John, you met John um, Roland, yeah, he he works with um, Will Keller on the Natural um, right, right Freedom League, and he's he was kind of talking to me recently about this idea of 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 um looking at death. You know, part of his shadow work doing some mm-hmm. journaling about death and how we think about death in our culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It got me to thinking that it is an interesting thing to consider because of what we were just talking about, our value, right? Right. And what I've asked some people before is what you do, you know, most of your time is go to work, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, would you die for your job? Do you care about it that much? And well, most people are like, what kind of question is that? Of course, I wouldn't die for my job, <laughs> you know? And yeah, I'm right. like, well, how much do you really care about something that you wouldn't die for, you know? I really would like to be doing something that i care so much i would i would die for it like that the value of how i'm living is so valuable Mm -hmm. to me that you know i wouldn't give it up for anything you know and that's kind of like the ultimate choice when someone's holding a gun to your head and you're you tell them no you know and we don't want to get ourselves in that position obviously exactly um, yeah you know I'm curious how that strikes you what I'm saying about the difference between life and death and how our value you know plays in there you know I, especially I, being someone who's looked at more difficult health situations than a lot of people have you know yeah
1: i I, I think it i thought I think of death all the time actually to be honest like not like dwell on it i I should watch how I say things I don't like dwell on it but I've thought about it I think everybody does and um I just realized that through my like over the years, I, I it doesn't scare me now. It doesn't because I know I'm more than this. I don't think that I. I know there's something. I, I know that I'm a, a. I'm not just this body, right? So I it doesn't scare me in that way. That um, like oh my God, I'm not. You know, I'm gonna die one day. Obviously, we all do, but I do know that this is just part of the journey that I'm on, and so it doesn't bother me that way. I don't think of it like that way. Maybe it's because of my health problems all my life that it's kind of given me, a, I've thought about it more than most people and had to do the shadow work on it and stuff, but it definitely makes me value. Uh, I, what it does for me is uh, thinking about it is that I have to get my ass in gear and that we're, that our time here is not infinite. We have a limited amount of time here and we, do you want to spend your time not doing stuff that matters do you want and I'm not saying don't have fun. I every time I get into this conversation, people are like, Oh, so Rick, you don't want anybody to have fun. You just want people to do the great work and be crabby and wake people up and you don't want to have fun. I said, I, I never said that. Of course, you don't want people to have fun and go out and do things and stuff like that. But I would I know that I'm only here for a certain amount of time and I want to make a difference. And I want to try to make a difference for humanity, for the like I said earlier, for the people coming up behind me, the young children, and that is why i i mean i just realized thinking about death and confronting it the way i have that we're here a very limited amount of time and a lot of us i think waste our time worrying about things that are very trivial and we have to start honing that in and trying to make a difference i want that's what i'm trying to do if that makes sense that's a tough one too (laughs) i feel like i'm babbling
0: it's all it's all tough ones you know and it is a lot of what we do in um, podcasting is kind of babbling, right? We're 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 trying to work out the best way to say things. And every time right. we do that with each other and with other people, we get a little better at it. You know, and yep. I think I've had some people make fun, say, hey, you know, it, it just gets to be um, like an echo chamber. You know, you're just mm-hmm. meeting with people that are saying the same thing. And you I've guys heard that yep. each other and and what i think about that is my feeling on it is well if you think about something like a cylinder when you shout into a cylinder eventually it comes out the other end and if you get enough people putting that echo into a tube you know it's going to come out even louder so you know there's a there's a process going on of us figuring out the answers and Mm -hmm. i think that's what people struggle with they're they're afraid when you tell them you know i think we should do away with all this structure in our world and they're like well then it would be chaos i mean the truth is to get from here to there there is going to be some chaos but we're going to sure? have a lot more chaos the way we're going too which could oh, be much yeah. much 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 worse from, from my point of view and um you know it, but that's all stuff we're kind of imagining you know and i think for for the sake of this conversation you know and 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 heading towards um the end of the hour i think we should kind of like think about the things that we can give to other people you know that they can take away mm-hmm. and the things that have worked for us you know in terms of i think honestly the biggest game is what you're saying inside of ourselves and the shadow work so you know i'd be curious what advice you give to other people who might be struggling you know especially like you've described you've gone through um addiction issues mm-hmm. alcohol um feeling like you don't have enough feeling like you don't have the money how do mm-hmm. people get out of those state of mind and, and get to the place where where you're getting now where you're feeling excited and inspired to uh, and not afraid
1: um Jesus, boy, you you give tough ones. I, oh, uh, <laughs> <I gotta laughs> uh, you really do. I mean, I I can only speak for what you know. what I, I try do. to
0: think about like myself. I do. You know? Yeah, I do.
1: Twenty too, years but... ago,
0: and what I didn't know, and how, how would I guide myself?
1: You know? Oh, I would like. Yeah, if I could go back and talk to myself to, like back then, I would definitely tell myself that you're not just like. And I can only speak for myself. So I mean, I hope I hope maybe people understand what I'm saying. But if I could go back and talk to myself how I was when I first got my disease, found out about it. I would very much tell people, tell myself that you're not just this body. There's, you are something so much more and you have to find that inner, you have to find that inner strength. You have to find the spiritual side of yourself and realize that you are so much more and that you're more than a body. And that, that was, and that's why I can say that's what got me started, started in the spiritual work is that I, I just got tired of, you always hear that saying, being sick and tired. And I just got that way. I didn't want to be drinking anymore. I didn't. I was tired of fearing, feeling miserable all the time. So I. That's when I started doing that shadow work. And I think that's what people have to start doing. You have to a recognize that there's a problem, which I had to admit. You have to admit there's a problem before you could ever fix it. And so I knew there was a problem. I was drinking. I was depressed. Uh, and I just. I knew I had to get out of that. So that's when I started doing that shadow work on myself and asking why am I the way I am? Why do I believe what I do? Why am I drinking? Why why is where did this all start from? And then then through the shadow work and I still do it like I said every day, I got more and more answers. And then as soon as I identified that that was why I started drinking was I was suppressing these emotions that I had about my disease and that I was drinking because I was so in ego i was like oh my god my body's horrible nobody's gonna like me and when i realized that i never it was that quick that i stopped drinking it really was and i wish i could i think people want me to say that took years and years and struggles and all of that And i'm not saying that's like this for everybody i can only talk for myself but for me as soon as i did that shadow work and i knew why i was drinking i didn't drink anymore it was literally very quick it was i just stopped and because i i think i because i dealt with that issue that's why i was drinking was because i was so. In, in my head on ego and my and worrying about what my body looked like and worrying about um what people would see, like would they, when they see my, they see me like this being disabled. Uh, I don't like to say disabled, but seeing that I have a, a condition, I guess that how would they think of me and stuff like that. So when I started realizing I don't care, you know, and I addressed it, that's when I, everything changed. And then, so I continue to do that. And every time I, do the shadow work and I address things and I confront them, it makes me more and more happier and more excited. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a, it takes time. It's, I mean, it's taken a long time to get this far, but that's what I would tell people is you have to first identify there's a problem. And then you have to be willing to sit down and do the work. You have to be willing to sit down with yourself in a quiet room and confront yourself and be honest. That's the hardest part. That was the hardest part for me is I had to be brutally honest with myself. And once you do that, I think it'll change. I really do. I think you'll start seeing the answers come and guide you. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you know you being so um, sharing your personal story like that.
1: Right, it's the first it, time I, I I've told it. Makes it. It,
0: real. <laughs> it makes it real for other people, right? And they can relate, you know. And and hopefully someone else will watch this show and contact you or contact me and like, hey, I saw your show and it it really hit me. Now, yeah. now I want to speak out too. You know, that's kind of what we're what we're trying to do. And, and I'm curious too on, on that journey when you were going through that shadow work, did you um, for you, you know, sitting still in a room, was it just kind of thinking at different times or did you actually like write a journal or meditate over there? Yeah, I did, both. There, did, yeah, you,
1: I, did uh, I did I did both. i have always been somebody that journaled. Um and I really, I would sit in a room and I guess you could call it meditating. That's what I kind of looked at it. But I I actually did, con, would sit in front of a mirror. I really would, because I, that was, as I said, I was worried about my image. So I knew I had to confront my body and my image, like my disease. And that's why I would sit in the mirror and confront myself. And I would start asking questions and that's where it started for me. And then I would journal afterwards the things that I can't, that I realized. So I would have a journal and I would write things down and I would go over it. And I do that every day. I still do that to this day where I'll sit down quiet in a room. And I've had people say, you just sit in a room for a while. No quiet. That's easy. I'm like, try it, try it someday. It's not easy well, work. It um, was horrible. It was awful work. It was not fun. It's not fun.
0: One thing that makes it better, I think, is um, using the power of nature. You know, I mean, love you can nature, do it in a right? room, but if you got somewhere where you can go, and get some heavy exercise too for me good um, point i do yep. a lot of that work um doing heavy exercise like mountain biking to a lake and then you know well, by the time i'd reached the lake i had worked sweat out of my body probably all the toxins and bad right. stuff and then sitting at this beautiful lake looking at the creation of of the intelligence the great intelligence the great all mm-hmm. and there there you know um are the analogies and the metaphors for all the questions that we have in our brains. You know, I, I really see personally nature as kind of like the living Bible, is what I like to call it. Right. Me too. You know, to me, things that humans write is just things that humans write. But what exists in the natural world, like the tree of life yep. is the, the blueprint, the fabric of reality. And that's what we right. want to look at to find the answers from my point that's, of view.
1: That's a great point, Chris. Like, I mean, yeah, you don't have to sit in a room you can sit out in your yard, which I do do. And I sit by myself in my yard and I do, I watch nature. I, I always, I'm very big on nature. My whole life, I've been somebody that likes nature and being out in nature, gardening and stuff like that. Believe it or not, the way I look, yes, I do garden and um so i do get that that's great advice uh like mountain biking going for a walk i think i don't i didn't go down that path of the shadow work because i of my disability i can't ride a bike i can't go for long walks i can't do these things so that Mm -hmm. was not an ever an option for me but if you're healthy by all means that that would be a lot that'd be great that's great advice
0: yeah. And it just goes to show, like, you know, even if you don't have a mountain to climb, you can still do it in your room. Rick did, yep. you know. Oh, God. And yeah. So,
1: for sure. It's you know, not fun work. And I think that's it's why people hard. don't you know, do it.
0: We're, we're asking people to go down a rough road, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I think that's why where the world is the way it is, Chris, is because people do not a want to take the time. And they don't uh, I think they want to run the other way when it's you got to confront yourself and you're honest with yourself, brutally honest. I don't think anybody really wants to do that. And I think that's the basis for how we're going to get out of this mess is people have to start on themselves first and then go forward.
0: There you go, man. That's it. You nailed it. You know, that is, you know, I decided to call this episode, you know, freedom is the key. Yeah. And freedom is the key and then I would say like you know the subtitle that is you know you got to do the inner work. Yeah. You know it starts from the inside.
1: You said 100%. it 100%. Really well. Yeah.
0: Like, I'm just reading war. your I'm
1: reading your chat. People are talking about wrestling. I oh. look like I look like Jimmy Hart, the famous WWE wrestling <laughs> manager. Oh my god. And then uh reminds me what of is The Undertaker. You
0: have a YouTube channel too, right, Rick?
1: Yes, I do. Yes, it's um Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking and you can find me on YouTube and I'm just starting. I do interviews on a couple other topics too. I'm really fascinated. I do a lot of true crime in a way, like uh, cause I'm fascinated by what makes people think the way they do. So I think that's probably why I'm kind of attracted to the true crime side of things and stuff. Cause I like the way I like to figure out why people think the way they do, why they act the way they do. So I do interviews on that, but I'm definitely going to be doing more. I just put an interview up that I did with Will where we talked about uh we talked about freedom we talked about natural law i have an interview coming up very soon that i'm going to be doing with leslie um we're going to be doing an interview and i'm going to have you on for a video interview i hope on my channel
0: right on looking forward to it It'll Yeah, it
1: would be great yeah so yeah, yeah crypt ricks crypt ricks i've been thinking and i would love you guys to come and join me and start uh checking out the videos I'm going to be doing because I want to start doing presentations. I'm learning how to do that. I just got PowerPoint a couple of weeks ago. So I'm walking I'm learning my way through that. But I do want to start doing presentations uh, in the future. Looking forward to seeing I'm looking forward to seeing those. So. <laughs> that would be cool. You know I it's, think so. It,
0: it, it, it's a process, you know, you make one then you watch it and you're like oh that's what I could have done better. You know, and then you watch right. that one and you try to get people to actually um you know watch them and see what people say is the hardest part you know to get anybody to actually actually check it out
1: but yeah and me learning the hard way too like i'm i'm learning as i go i everybody told me if you want to do presentations you should at least know powerpoint once again i didn't even hear know what powerpoint was so when i tell people i'm learning as i go i'm not exaggerating like up till eight months ago or a little bit maybe eight or nine months ago I have no idea. I didn't know what OBS was. I don't. I didn't know what PowerPoint was. I didn't have any of this equipment, so I just did it a piece at a time. And I am learning PowerPoint. So, you guys do great presentations. Like, it's amazing. I'm. I'm not that. Nowhere near that good yet. Mine it's are very keep, basic. Keep trying and
0: keep practicing. <laughs> right. You know, and learn. You learn something every time. Exactly. But you know, we learn from each other, and. um I think this networking thing is a big part of the process. You know, I I love people have trouble envisioning what does a future without rulers look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like us talking to each other and talking Mm -hmm. things out, even if we don't always. I mean, you and I are very much on the same page, but even if we hadn't been, I'd be willing to bet you and I could have got through this whole hour and had a really good conversation and learned some things from each other, even if we disagreed. Yep. And I think that's part of the game that that people um, can do, and that mm-hmm. will help break down a lot of those walls and open up the doors to uh, working as communities, working with each other, and working without coercion, working without yes. Big, having yes. to steal from one another and take things and hire mm-hmm. other people to come steal from us. You know, that's the kind 100%. of stuff we can do without, so...
1: 100% and that's what I tell people too about the great work is that I I bring it up to everybody I know I kind of bring it up slowly and I talk about it and some of the people reject it some people want to hear more but I'm going to keep talking about it I'm just going to I, even with my friends that are you know not in they're not wanting to look at it a little bit I just keep bringing it up and bringing it up sowing the seeds that I can because you never know how long like if I sow some seeds it may take a month to grow it may take a year but at least I'm putting the seeds out there And hoping that they will look into natural law and objective morality and freedom and all these great things. So that's what I'm hoping I'm going to do is at least put some seeds out there for people.
0: Well, thanks so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. It gives me it gives me inspiration. It gives me um, hope that, you know, there's more people out there like you. And um, and it's very inspirational that, you know, you've worked past all your obstacles and now you're feeling really good about what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that progresses. And i glad to be part of part of a community of people like you that care and are trying to make a difference. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Man. Great show. Thank,
1: thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I was so nervous. I've never been interviewed before like this. So now you got past that. I did know, get past did that, it. Yep. You know. <laughs> right. so, yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time and a great conversation. We always have great talks. Well, yeah. We'll have
0: more. And um, you guys sure. can check out um, Crypt Rick um Mondays. At yep. freedomslips.com, Revolution Radio, 3 p.m. Yep. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. And then check out his YouTube channel. Um, say that one more time. It's called?
1: Uh, Crypt Ricks, I've Been Thinking. I've Been Thinking. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. I've Been Thinking. <laughs> right on. All right, man. I'm going to go um, cut to the little end screen. and um, Perfect. Stay, uh, guys. stay on the line just for a minute so I could chat with you before we go. But not a problem. Thanks so much, folks, for coming. Appreciate it. And um, and and evil podcast is going to be back um, next Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for coming, folks. Have a good week. Evil is the destruction.